Once, when I was a kid, about this tall, I fell through the ceiling of the garage. Or perhaps more appropriately, I fell through the floor of the attic. My next-door neighbor and best friend, Andy, and I used to love to go through the attic of my parents' house. It was there that my dad, when he had anything he thought that was interesting but had outlived its usefulness and he didn't want to throw it away, he threw it up into the attic. So there were all kinds of treasures up there. Perhaps something from his Coast Guard's days or ancient sporting equipment or National Geographic's going back to the 1960s. If something important happened on a particular day and it was reported in the newspaper, he might take that newspaper and throw it up in the attic as a reminder. I remember when we were cleaning out the attic after he died, coming across the newspaper that was toting the opening of Rolling Acres Mall, which brought the joy of shopping outdoors indoors with trees and fountains and air conditioning, I guess. Anyway, so one day we were up there rooting around, and I stood up to say something to Andy, and the next thing I knew, I was hanging from the rafters in the garage. It's amazing. I didn't hit anything on the way down, and somehow I knew enough to reach up and grab onto the rafter. Andy, for his part, climbed down the ladder and into the garage and just looked at me, and I was hanging over my dad's car. My dad was out somewhere on his bike, And I was just hanging over his car. There was no way I could swing, you know, and try to miss it. I just had to let go. Go bang onto the hood of his car. I went in to go see Mom to tell her what happened. And she says, I just can't deal with this. Wait till your father gets home. So I remember going back on the back patio and laying down on the daybed just waiting for him to come home. And it was a miserable amount of time. I both dreaded the moment and couldn't wait till he got there so we could just get his wrath and punishment over with. I roiled back there, you know, just ah, in anticipation. It was torturous. Now, yesterday, that's where I, I ended the story, and people were walking out of mass going, so what did your dad do when you came home? I said, well, it wasn't pretty, but I'm still here. Unfortunately, I think some people feel the same way about God. In the gospel today, we're talking about the second coming of the Christ, of Jesus. You know, it's talking about people in the world. Two will be working out in the field. One will be taken and one will be left. Two people will be grinding meal. One will be taken and one will be left. And for some reason, people tend to find this disturbing, like anticipating your father's anger and waiting for the untold hour when he would come home and deal with you. For this reason, others like it. We are not supposed to talk about death and the end of the world because those are bad things. They make us feel uncomfortable. This past Tuesday, I woke up sick as a dog with a splitting headache. But I had Mass that day, so I did my morning prayers. I read the readings. I read my commentary. I wrote a little homily, and the writings were all about the end of the world and so forth. So I composed a homily accordingly about the end of the world and then came over to the church, and everything was just a little bit off. There were too many people and too much commotion, and it was only then that I realized it was a children's Mass because Thursday, when we normally have the children's Mass, was Thanksgiving Day. So they pushed it back to Tuesday. And with my splitting headache, I just couldn't bring myself to write something a little bit more uplifting for the kids. So I just went on ahead with it. 
Nobody went back to school crying, so that's a good sign. But when faith is strong, when faith is strong, it will talk about these things without fear. So what should facing God be like? I remember when I was in the seminary, we have our seminarian from St. Sebastian with us here today on break from Thanksgiving. He gets to go back later tonight. I told him, he says, I couldn't wait to get a break from the seminary. And I thought, oh, guess what? I'm preaching about the seminary today. But when I was there, it was announced that a cardinal from Rome was coming to visit and evaluate the seminary. I, I can't remember his name, so I'm just going to use as an example the current uh, uh, cardinal who has that particular office, Giuseppe Versaldi, prefect for the Vatican Congregation of Catholic Education. The faculty announced this, told us that he was coming, and then by and large just didn't do anything else with that information. And everyone was all nervous. How do you greet a cardinal? What do you say to a cardinal? What do you do around a cardinal? We didn't know. It's not like you run into a cardinal at the McDonald's on the weekend. So I took it upon myself to look these things up back then in books and to tell my classmates about it. Did you know, for example, that unlike a bishop or a priest, their title comes in the middle of their name, almost like a middle name. So it wouldn't be Cardinal Giuseppe Versaldi in the way you might introduce Bishop Richard uh, Lennon. It would be his eminence, Giuseppe Cardinal Versaldi. Why? I don't know, but that's the way it is. And he would be your eminence, not your excellency. Also, one introduces somebody else to a cardinal, and it's done in this manner. Your eminence, may I introduce you to Father Edwin Leonard, parochial vicar of St. Sebastian Parish. Father Leonard, this is his eminence, Giuseppe Cardinal Versaldi, prefect for the Vatican Congregation of Catholic Education. Boy, did we practice. We were there to impress, including just the right kind of little bow one might make while saying, it's an honor to meet you, your eminence. Pretty good. So it is the day. When was he going to show up? We were both excited and terribly nervous. Those of us who would be serving Mass were in the sacristy, getting all the stuff ready and talking about what it was going to be like to meet the Cardinal, when all of a sudden, he was just there amongst us. I don't know what we were expecting, trumpet blasts or someone coming in and saying, here comes the cardinal. But he just kind of mixed in with our circle and with a thick Italian accent. He goes, okay, boys, uh, what are we going to be doing today? You know, it was kind of nice. We were completely at ease. He understood the circle into which he was moving. And we still had our formal manners up our sleeves for later when we, were, when we would see him. But he was an absolute joy to be around. My brothers and sisters, this is exactly what your faith is supposed to do for you in preparing to meet God. It assists us to come to know and trust and love him, to be confident in recognizing him and meeting him. Sure, there are some things that would dampen the relationship, just like it would happen with any friend. So like with a friend, there are certain expectations and obligations, and so it is with God. Your faith teaches you these things, guides you, gives you the tools to develop, and finds ways that brings healing even when bad things happen. 
Sometimes I think the problem that makes some people afraid of God is that we've come across so many people who declare themselves holy. They pray a lot. They're always in church, both very good things in and of themselves. They know a lot of things about faith. And often they use that holiness, or so-called holiness, to condemn. And in their holiness, they become unapproachable. And so we think God must be the same way, and we become afraid. It is true that holiness and faith and love come with expectations and obligations just as in any friendship. But that holiness is to be inviting and attractive, joyful, and beautiful. It is these things if it is true. So if we would be walking downtown or at the University of Akron and we see a guy on New Year's holding a sign saying the end of the world is near, we are not afraid. We should think, well... It's kind of a bummer, but it's okay. I'm ready for it. This is what the church, and by the church I mean the combined faith of millenniums, wants you to know in this season of Advent. It is why in Advent we are not only looking forward to celebrating the coming of Jesus in the manger, but especially until December 17th, we also look forward. We look forward to the second coming of Christ. And we should do so with hope and confidence and joy as we do the Christ in the manger. For we know our God. We are in love with him. We trust our welfare to him because we have been chosen to be his beloved sons and daughters.